Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scott's Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. In each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Wriggles clear. Might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! Oh, what a great And this week we're joined by former Partick Thistle footballer turned West End musical star David Greer. Hello, David. Uh, hello, folks. How, how are you? I hope you're very, very well. Thank you, David. Thank you for joining us. And we've, we've also My pleasure. Joined, we're also joined by a previous podcast guest, Alan Fraser. So thank you again for joining us, Alan. Nice to Hi, see Alan. you again. Okay, so so in the previous podcast, just to give a little bit of background here, it was Shoot Magazine from the 22nd of December 1979, and we had Alan on to discuss through that, and we got to the Partick Thistle team photo, and there was a club call as well, I think. So as part of that, it sort of led us down this little path, um, which we, we discussed one of the, the ex-players who was in the photo, which was Mr. David Greer, who's joined us today. So we're going to just have a wee look through some of the items that we did then and get a wee bit of chat with David to see, uh, firstly, what that haircut was all about, and secondly, <laughs> what he's been doing since then. <laughs> so, hey, so, and that was that was without a perm. Like Brian Whitaker, <laughs> Brian Whitaker's was all perm. Mine, mine wasn't. Uh, was it was completely natural as well. I so would, we got. I would have bet that was a perm because I had a perm <laughs> that time oh, as well. It? No, no, I, 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 had the, I had the big Kevin Keegan like that. Do you know what I mean? No, no, and I no, just no. presumed that was what it was. That was that was totally natural, and and I have to say that everybody who's seen that has uh, has laughed at my expense. So you can <laughs> you can laugh it up. So I'm quite happy about that. Yeah. So, so actually, just we're on the front page here, and Alan Sunderland's sporting a perm as well. But that's really that's nothing in comparison. So so let's let's just have a wee quick look at the the magazine that we were in so there was a club spotlight and as it said it was it was talking through the season for uh, Partick Thistle and things like that but mm-hmm. I think we should just basically jump through to the the team photograph and have a wee chat about that Alan do you want to have a wee chat through this again well as I was saying at the time I was about seventeen then I was going to games uh, a lot and you know I'd been supporting Thistle since the early seventies. And the, that was a great team, and I loved the strip. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we had a look at this, I just had a look at some of the guys in the white tops. I don't know if, David, you, it was a reserve league at the time, or was it a...? Uh, I, I think it was, I. Um, uh-huh. we, we, we were on the... I think I was about 16. What, what, what year was that, Alan? Did it's 79-80 season. I'm not sure exactly when the picture would be. Right, because I was born in 61, so what uh-huh. am I there? Is that, am I 18 there? It must 18, be about 18 yeah. there. Yeah, about that. Right. Uh-huh. So I think I've been I've been at Thistle there for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I remember we Bertie called us all over and says, right, get your strips on, blah, 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 we're taking photographs. 
So I actually remember the photograph really well. Uh, it was quite vivid. So, uh, but I, I don't know if every, I'm just looking at it there, if every guy on the white strip were, I mean, not because there's Ronnie Sheed and one yeah. or two. Well, maybe, maybe a few games. Ian McDonald's yeah. there. Ian McDonald's certainly broke into the team. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's right. Aye. So, so, but I, I think basically what was there is was was um, young guys like myself who were trying to come through into the first team. From from what I remember, uh, we we were. That was just another. I think that was just another um, night of training. We 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 mm. were in. Uh, so I don't think there was anything special, but I just remember the the three strips at us and says we're, we're doing a team photograph, um, and then there was obviously photographers from what I remember, um, but but I don't remember being called in and and the office saying um, we're coming specially for photographs. Mm. Otherwise, I would I would have done my hair better than that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 so I don't know maybe maybe as as youngins we were last to know I mean Big Ruffy was probably he probably has had, had his hair all done and and all that but I, I'm looking at there and, and I'm I'm trying to see um, was was Billy Thompson was he away then Big Billy Thompson was he there at that time seventy nine late uh, uh, well that, that's that's it's interesting because. I remember when I was there, um, and, and some of the dates are a wee bit big, but um, Tommy McGrain was there as well. You know, Danny's brother. Danny's brother, and, huh? and and I and I was there at a time when, let me just say, uh, Donald Park was there, mm -hmm. um, Jim Melrose, um, and and it was that kind of era. But it's but I do remember there was a bit of manoeuvring around. Uh, Danny Kellerchin was there as well, but I don't think he's there. No, I think he maybe fell out of favour a wee bit before that because you've got have you got Brian Whitaker in that picture? Uh, I believe I I there he is in the, the the middle just in front of Big Ruffy. Sorry, right? yeah. yeah. Well, he'd have been Aye. he'd have been first choice left back, but I think I think Billy well, Tom would have yeah. left the season before actually. I maybe I that's right because I know I know the sort of nod was this. I mean, I, I, I this is what I remember. Um, on my sort of memoirs, um, when Danny left, it was almost like it was seen as I think that I'd come in to replace Danny, um, and, and because I don't know if Danny was out of favour with with Bertie, um, and so it was it was it appeared to me um, the word on the ground was you've come in uh, into the reserves, Danny's going out. And you're going to be, if you like, understudy to Brian Whitaker. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of what was getting said to me. And the manager, who also is not there, who was who I love to death, uh, was Tommy Ray. Yeah, the the the, the thistle the, um, uh, manager. But unfortunately, um, he he approached them at the end of that season, and he he said that um, because we went through a really Fantastic um, stint, like, like the first team. Uh, if I remember rightly, we won about eight of the last games of the season. So before we into the next year's um, pre-season, um, Tommy, um, I, I was I was in the reserves every week. It was it was a fantastic time, uh, and um, we we won we won um, eight of those games. And when we come back. 
at the, the following pre-season, uh, Tommy had gone. Because apparently, from what I was told, uh, he went and asked the boss to to have complete control of who he put in to the, the reserve team. Mm-hmm. Because he was he was getting slight. I hope I'm all right to say pissed off, but if mm-hmm. I can say, I, I mean, I don't know myself, but I, I, I just, um, but uh, he was he was basically pissed that um, that a lot of the, the first team players were coming in either injured um, or maybe out of favour, getting play, playing for the reserves and weren't shown up, weren't turned up to the game really. Um, and so Tommy was like, hated having to play them, which you can understand. He just wanted his team to win. Yeah, I, I mean, suppose. you can understand that would upset the rhythm of the, the team, <clears> you <throat> know, because yeah. Yeah. week to week. So Tommy yeah. Ray was in charge of the reserve side, and then and then at the end of that season, he wasn't. He left. He, he, I, I the impression I got was um, he, he went in and asked to get full. At custody of the team, and they went forget it. And then uh, Davy Proven came in, mm-hmm. so that's 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 kind of what I, I remember. But that so that lineup there um, should really have had Tommy Ray. I mean, Pat Quinn was there, and, and Donny, and and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, so it, it, um, Tommy Ray was a big influence uh, on on me at that particular time. So I kind of really missed him. Um, it was always this. See, see when I was there, it was always Greer do this and Greer do that. He had me when all the other lads were going in for an early bath or shower. He had me out working harder. He said things like this to me, um, which at the time didn't really excite me. But he would say things like this to me. Um, you know, you show potential in your in your game, your game, Greer. He says, but what you have, what a lot of guys don't have at your age, is the ability to run for ninety minutes. And and that was true uh, because a lot of my pals, uh, like Jackie Davidson, George Clark, and a few of them there, uh, were always getting taken off about twenty minutes before the end of the f- the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know when you get that second wind mm-hmm. and you're shattered, you think, well, just get me off because I can't, I can't move now. Um, uh, and that, and those last uh, twenty minutes. I, I always seem to find that second win. So Tommy loved the fact he he never used to talk to me about my skill. <laughs> uh, he just talked to me as if I was like a, some sort of workhorse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had strong stamina. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it there. And Jackie's husband used to always say to me, uh, "Son, David, you're one of the hardest tacklers in the game," because uh, what I misconstrued was. Uh, they wanted me to become, they wanted me stronger, but I thought it was in the physical side. And again, looking at me, I'm probably like a beanpole there, um, but I was actually quite a hard, you wouldn't believe it with a hair, hairdo like that, eh? but I was actually quite a tough kind of, <laughs> God love me. Eh? Um, um, I was actually quite tough. Um, and, you know, I didn't hold back, but really what they were saying was it was really the internal um side of it become tougher within yourself your mindset kind of thing so that was the that was the thing they worked on so tommy used to uh <clears throat> tommy used to say this to me great see i'll get a good game out of you if somebody kicks you in in the leg 
and kicks you in the first five minutes, I'm going to get a good, because you're going to go ballistic. You're yeah. going to hunt them down and kill them. He says, so So, so we used to, what he used to do was, he used to take us on the park at Fir Hill, say, and like 20 minutes before the game would start. And, uh, and, and however many hundreds that were there watching the game uh, would, would obviously send me up and blah, blah, blah. But Tommy would take me out and he would run me as almost like a pre-warm-up before we'd start going out onto the park. And so I think he was trying to get my dander up and, and to try and cause a reaction out of me, uh, which I didn't like because I didn't like this feeling of being separated and being different to the rest of the players. Mm. But And his kind of way was, so he was always shouting at me. <laughs> he was always shouting at me. And um, and it's funny, you know, when I think back on it, uh, and just tell me to stop if I'm if I'm talking too much. But um, I was obviously about eighteen at the time. I'm I'm, I'm nearly sixty this year, but I, I remember it like like yesterday. Mm. I remember my my trials with Partick. I remember playing with guys. There was a big lad from Sight Hill, uh, and we come in and, and uh, he he. I was going to say we auditioned, but we we were in trial at the same time. Uh, it was a, a guy called Danny Devine. Um, a big Glasgow footballer, and we come in uh, into uh, Thistle that Sunday, uh, and my my right leg wasn't the best at hitting the ball, so I was mostly on my left handed left side, and um, and there was the ball sort of landed on the the side opposite the the stand, and the ball landed in front of me just outside the eighteen yard box, and somebody told me to hit it, and I had no choice, so I hit it with my right leg. And uh, and somehow I managed to connect with the ball, and the ball hit off the top of the 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 Partick um, um, frame, you know, the goal frame, the 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 goalposts. And I think in those days, if I remember rightly, the the goalposts was like square, so I hit the top of it, and then straight after that, so I didn't score, but I, but I hit the I hit the framework, uh, and they signed me on the back of that, you know. So um, so hi, so it was. <laughs> So that that was that, that was some of the, the things that I can I can remember uh, there. But I remember Jamie Doyle extremely well. Um, that's that's Ian McDonald's, isn't it? That's Ian McDonald's the left He was he was a great player. He He's was a real yeah, yeah. He was a grafter. You know, he was a great ball player and stuff like that. And Donald Park and um, I think I was there at the time when was it? Uh, I was writing a, a section of my book and it was all about um, uh, Badger. Uh, about Maybe how fast he was, I, uh, yeah, and I remember the first time they because I was fast uh, for a big lad. I'm 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 like six foot one, um, and the um, Bertie says uh, he, he pulled us all uh, at the side. Uh, the floodlights were on, and it was a kind of winter's night. I, I remember it was really uh, sodden, uh, and he said he called us all the way down to the to the to the bottom of the ash blaze in front of the the the, the stand. And we would run in two, uh, two and twos and so on and so forth. Um, and then we, narrow, we narrowed it down and it ended up being Badger and that sort of, I don't know how long that is, like 100 metres. Um, and I was fast and so I, I could I could keep up with everybody. Uh, um, but then he put me against Badger and he took about 30 yards off me. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was so, so, so fast. You know, well, so. He, le- he left and went to Kilmarnock not long after that photograph, didn't he? 
And um, and, and and a Thistle game at Rugby Park, his first game against Thistle, he ended up getting sent off. I don't know if you okay. remember that story at all. Uh, no. No. <clears throat> no, I don't know. It's one of these ones, it was one of these stories that has gone on that uh, they, they talk about. I've heard Alan Ruff talking about it as well. How, like, uh, Bobby Houston was at Rugby Park to welcome all the Thistle guys off the coach. One right. by one, they got off the coach, walked past them, just ignored them, and just to wind them up, you know. And uh, by the time <laughs> he, he came on as a substitute, and get sent off within minutes because he was so wound up, he was just flying about, you know. He was a great player, Russell, though. Uh, well, that, that's the type of thing that uh, Tommy Ray would have done to me. Mm-hmm. He, he, he would wind me up, and, and I was like a berserker. I would I would, I would, would see red, and I would cut down trees in order just because, and that's, <laughs> so when I, when I came back the following year, thinking, well, it's a shame he's away, but I might get some peace now. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you um, I don't know if this is really what we're here to talk about but Davy Proven came in and my life became an absolute misery then and so it wasn't it wasn't a good didn't become a good time to me then mm. uh, he, he and I had I had major um, problems yeah so and, and it's interesting because <clears throat> where some of the lads like Big Alan Key at the time kept saying to me look when somebody's on your back like Tommy is, they basically they see the potential in you. Uh, but you can imagine that for a young lad, it's like it's sometimes not the type of attention you're looking for. It almost looks like you're you're, you're different and and blah blah blah. Uh, but I understood as I'm older now, looking back at that. Um, but he, when Tommy left and David Proven came in, Alan Key became what I, I was to Tommy Ray. So um, Davy Proven picked and picked it, Alan Kay, uh, and much the same, much the same. And then I felt what it was like to be an outcast because for the next year, I never kicked a ball because I was kept on the stand. Is that right? You never played under Davy Proven? Uh, nah. No. So I'm going to be honest with you, that's, that's in my book. Uh, and it's it's quite a disparaging time uh, through the whole thing. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a good thing. So was Alan Key um, playing right back in the reserves at that point? I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I, I always remember Big Alan. Uh, he was such a, a lovely big lad. He, he was such a gentle guy, and a, a beautiful boy. He was. Um, I mean, I can only remember him being a big, tall, handsome, dark-headed lad. I don't know what he looks like. No, well, he's, like, he's actually quite bold now. <laughs> oh, is it? Byers Road. All right, all right. I still um, recognise him. All right, um, but he 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 used to sort of play around about the centre half kind of area, mm-hmm. um, and that's it. But so if he said to me, "Would you have been a, a natural uh, right back if that's where he played him?" It wasn't the kind of where where I would have thought he was, but um, yeah. but maybe maybe I had moved on. Um, I, from, from that, I would say from that photograph, um, I would probably have, I'm, I'm guessing, maybe another year, and that would be me finished there. Um, but um, and I had a great, <laughs> I had a great time with Bertie, um, but and it was an interesting time because Bertie wanted me to to stay uh, by the by by being in the squad for a year and never kicked a ball, 
and I travelled round every every stadium in Scotland. It, it was it was a it was just I wrote a section all about it. It was it was marked out a ten for the pies. So I used to do I used to take out a black diary and I would uh, and I would actually sit knowing I wasn't going to get played, but it, so I would sit in the stand and I would actually mark out a ten what the pies and the bovril were. So that if I was going back again, because if I remember rightly, was was the season not based on you played Aberdeen and you would play them four times in a season? At that point, yeah, it was ten. There was only ten teams in the Premier League at that time. Aye, aye. So you would go back. So and I was like, if I'm going to have to another one of those pies that's nearly broke my tooth, you know, that type of thing. So I, I did some weird things at that, at that particular moment, um, but I was gutted. I was gutted because um, Bertie, uh, when I used to go and speak to him, um, he he was like, uh, Davy Proven at that point, along with. Bertie, I think what they were trying to do there was they were trying to open up and develop a youth team, and so that that that's kind of what was happening at that point. So Bertie kept then saying to me, which was ironic because uh, he wouldn't let Tommy Ray uh, pick the team, but he was telling me that David Proven had carte blanche to choose the team. Right. So hence the reason why. Uh, I was out of favour, and and in one of the times <clears throat> I, I I'm allergic to to wasp springs, and I get stung at the top of my leg and uh, on my left leg with with a wasp, and my leg gets so badly swelled up that, that there was just fluids everywhere and blah blah blah. So um, I phoned up, <laughs> something like the Friday, and I phoned up uh, the office and I said, um, can you tell um, the the team I, I can't travel to Aberdeen. I've I've been stung. Uh, and they took it as you just don't want to come in and travel with the guys. Don't find well, you're not going to get a game. Uh, and um, so they said, we want you to come in. So here I was, I, I, my leg was so badly swollen, I couldn't even get my trousers on. <laughs> so um, I, I, I was in the middle of winter and I managed to find a pair of shorts um, and I, I, I had a, got my shorts on and I, I found a, a sort of really loose Adidas uh, bottoms and I managed to get them on. Uh, my dad said, I'm going to have to uh, drive in, you can't travel. So I went in and from from what I remember, there was a sort of games room with the table tennis bit at the back uh, when you walk in to, over to the right-hand side. And um, so when I came in, uh, the, the, the lads were like, what's the matter? And I said, oh, I've got a wash thing and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the next thing, Bertie comes in with Davy Proven and Jackie Husband and Donnie McKinnon, and he says, uh, so what's the matter with your leg? And I went, well, I, I've had a stick. It's, I've been stung. And they were like, so what, what does that mean? And I was like, well, it's it's swollen up. Like, Don't be so ridiculous. Uh, so they says, drop your drop your kegs. So I dropped my... <laughs> I dropped my... my, my trackies and I remember one of them went oh my god <laughs> it was so badly swollen and uh, and then Bertie said to me afterwards I, I had to go home and he says that's a shame son he says because I was actually going to play you today <laughs> and it was it was it was that kind of you know it was just playing with your head yeah. and stuff like that so there was there was a there was um 
and I hope that doesn't sound negative, but it was just some of those. The, the, the first the first season I was there, the, the first season and a half, it was absolutely fantastic. But there, but there was a bit of. Um, and, and, and I think what I kind of experienced was maybe similar to what Danny Kellerchen experienced, which was, you know, when, when a manager moves on, somebody else comes in, they have different ideas and, and, and you know, the future for people and stuff like that. But it became very apparent at, at that point, I didn't seem to fit what some people were after, you know, so, mm. which was sad. Because yeah. I, I loved, I loved my time at Thistle, and you know, I, when I was younger, when, when I was um, when I was uh, when I was in, at school football, uh, and, and I was with Partick, um, I, I was approached by Wolverhampton. It was a time when Andy Gray was playing for Wolves, <clears throat> and uh, and they, they asked me to sign to go down to Wolves, and I think I was sixteen. But to go into like it wasn't even the reserve team; it was like almost like their youth kind of setup, and they were they were offering me stupid money. And my mum's was originally from Wolverhampton, uh, from Birmingham, which was not that far from there. So I could have stayed there and blah, blah, blah. And Partick were playing, I think were paying me, which was great money for me then. It was about 60 quid, you know, a, a week or something like that. I was mm-hmm. I was getting as, as not as an S1, but just starting to sign through. Um, but this was into the hundreds of pounds to go to Wolverhampton. Um, but I didn't want to go. Yeah, because I loved I loved Thistle. I really I, I really loved it. I was I was not, never a fan of it. I was a big Celtic fan, and yet it was an interesting thing because my dad was a, a, a blue nose, and uh, my mum was my mum was uh, was was English. But I was a great. I just loved Kenny Dalglish, Danny McGrain, that era of mm-hmm. of the of the footballers there. And my dad was a so so. I was born if you and if you like brought up as, as a. In Church of Scotland, but I just adored Celtic. Mm. I just thought that it was just the team. I just loved the, the players. I thought the players were just incredible. Um, so, and then when my, my leg got badly smashed up, I was um, I got my nose broken up at Aberdeen, um, <laughs> and at, at the first that was about the first minute of the second half, uh, I rose to the to to the to the ball, and and Petodre and one of the wingers came over and decided to. Smashed my with his elbow, my nose, and it was it was plastered all over my face. Yeah. Um. So I so it was. Uh, we can imagine it was a kind of it was a kind of uh, it was a, a rough uh, kind of volatile kind of sport. But yeah. So it, when my leg got badly smashed up, my knee got damaged, and I was I was leaving. I'd more or less leaving Thistle. I I, I was really scunnered with it, um, and somebody approached me. I never knew who it was. It was an anonymous phone call. And they said, um, Celtic would like you to come in and, and do some training with them. And I was like, all right. So I went in and, and Brian Scott did some uh, uh, physio uh, with me. And it was at a time when Paul McStay was there and, and Willie McStay. So even though I was, I'd kind of left Thistle, uh, I was still somehow with a bad gammy leg, okay. um, still hoping that I could <laughs> still get, stay within the game. Yeah, uh, albeit away from, uh, albeit away from Thistle, but so, you know. So. What happened? What was the incident that 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 you got so badly injured in? Uh, all all I remember, I, <laughs> it was it was back again up in Aberdeen. I didn't do too well up at Aberdeen. I had a few injuries up there, and it was. I like, was the, it was um, there the, 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 there was there was something happened in the second half that me being a left back player. Uh, somehow I managed to get. I, I did a lot of overlapping 
I was fast, so I could overlap well. And I, I, I used to play off of George Clark, who was sort of left midfield player. Sometimes you'd be them in the dugout, just telling you to run. So I, w- I would run up the if I had any space. But I remember cutting into the 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 Aberdeen eighteen yard box, and I was just about, from what I remember, I'm swinging my leg to take a crack at it. And some I don't know who this was. Somebody was at the back of me, and their log their leg got caught between my both legs, kind of kind of like a a stick and a and a spoke yeah. on a wheel, right. and it spun me. And I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh!" And I landed my back. Uh, and when they tried to get me up, my left leg there was nothing in my left leg, uh, completely gone. There you go. So, and I don't know who that. And and to be to be fair, I, I don't think I think that was just one of those things. It was just I don't think any that was done maliciously and then like that. I think it was just it was bad luck. And and to be honest with you, I'd never had an injury in all, in all my life. I was never on the bench. I was never I never came in and asked Donny for a, a, a rub down on your legs and blah blah blah. I was you know I was uh, I never had any problems. Uh, and this one I got um, stretched off and. Even now, all these years later, I still have problems with that leg. Um, you know, so it's um, it gave me cortisone injections uh, and stuff like that. Where Brian Scott says they should have whipped that out. It was they, they thought it was the ligaments, but he says it's no, it's the cartilage. So I think now I have no cartilage left, and what I tend to have is bone on bone. But if if I if I walk. Um, and I, I do a lot of walking and stirling up and down the castle uh, every day. And as long as my, my the muscles are kept strong, mm. it seems to keep away the weakness of, which is probably the onset of things like arthritis in your knees and stuff like that. You know, even when I was in when I was in Les in London, which I know that's not really here to talk about, but when I was in Les when I was up and down the barricades, um, I took a bit of a, a, a knock and I fell, and they sent me to Harley Street. Um, I can imagine the, the specialist in there. It was a man called Joe Picken, who was the, the physiotherapist for all the professional dancers for the show called Cats, because they were having a lot of injuries because they were obviously cats. The boys and the, the girls were on their hands and knees and, and singing away and blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, they sent me in there, and Joe Picken says, we recommend you, you would get a, 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 a private operation in this. In fact, they wanted to do both of them. At the, at the expense of Cameron McIntosh, he was going to pay for it. And then, um, so I'm now 30, uh, would be that 1990, say, uh, they were going to charge from Harley Street £6,000 per leg, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was jolly nice of them, but I, I, I refused <laughs> to do it. I, I, didn't, I didn't do it and um, but, uh, because I, I thought, well, I'm just going to, I'm not going to interfere with that. So, But anyway, that, that leg injury, uh, um, it's kind of haunted. <laughs> anyway, I feel as if I'm talking too much. No, no, no this no. is great. This is great. This is why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what I would ask, David, is yeah. when when Celtic give you that call or there's a call to go to Celtic, you must think, "This is am I am I dreaming? This this could be an opportunity." What was yeah. going through your head with that? Uh, well, it was at, at Parkhead when Parkhead was what I remember Parkhead. Um, and Billy 
Billy McNeil was there and uh, Danny McNeil. I'm sorry, I know that's name dropped, but how, how do you do it without without uh, doing that? But um, yeah, Danny McGrain and them were there. The 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 McCluskey. See, I, I I I don't know if you remember. Remember John McCluskey that played for Celtic. George McCluskey, and, yeah, yeah. John McCluskey, yeah. yeah. And, well, there was a younger brother, John McCluskey. John John McCluskey's. Um, well, he, sorry, we were hearing about uh, about him just the other day there, uh, yeah. Andy. If, if 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 you mind, when we had Andy Bolin on, he was talking about George McCluskey's younger brother who had George McCluskey's Ajax top stolen. Aye, right, aye, aye. So yeah, I well, John John McCluskey. See when he played at school. See, I, I used to I used to go to school in in Lanarkshire. It was called Duddingston um, at Murez Primary, and over the back of the the wall of our primary school was at the St. John's Catholic School. And the first time I met uh, him, he came down from, I think it was from Holy Cross, and we, we played, and uh, it was a kind of uh, a, a, a Muir Edge and St. John's Select against the Holy Cross uh, boys, I think, are from Muddle Hamilton kind of area. Uh, and his name then was Friar. They called him Friar, Friar McCluskey. Oh my God! I've never seen a player like him. He was just—he was a wizard. Um, and then the thing—I think he signed with Celtic. I don't know. He was about 15, 16. Um, and then he had—it wasn't an aneurysm, but he had a problem with a blood clot or something. And he was told that if he carried on, he—he he could be in danger with his life. Um, and and I and I hope I don't upset people if people hear this. But to me, he was far more gifted than his brother. Um, and uh, but sadly, and uh, never fulfilled that. And the the McStee brothers were there, John and and Willie, uh, and they were lovely. They were, and <laughs> and I remember the first time I met Charlie Nicholas. Uh, I was still at Partick at this time, and he came in, and uh, and people were saying. Yeah, just watch, watch that dark kid, watch this guy, Nicholas, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, aye, 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 aye. Um, and, uh, and, and I looked up, and all the way through the first half, um, he was pretty unassuming, I thought, because Tommy Ray would say things like this to us. Right, here, uh, if Joe Harper comes in, he, he was with Aberdeen, he was at the last of that. If he comes into your area at all, I don't care what the hell you, if you just stay on him and don't do nothing else. Mm. Just mark him, mark, if he goes there, if he goes off to the loo, you follow him. Right, okay. So, I, and, and if the ball comes, don't even bother kicking the ball in. Just follow Joe Harper. <laughs> Sit in Joe Harper. All right, okay, I'll, I'll do that to him. I'll, I'll stay in Joe Harper. So, and it was the same with <laughs> Charlie Nicholas. Um and I think this was at a time when Davy Proven <laughs> was there. Um, and he'd said to me, if you can do one thing right, just stay in him and, and just mark him. Don't let him turn. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll not let him turn. Just mark him. So for the first 20, 30 minutes of that first half, um, nothing. I thought, well, he's not even in the game. This is easy. <laughs> anyway, happens to get the ball just outside the 18-yard box. And I'm just at the back of him, a big Kazo and... Jamie Doyle and blah, blah, blah. And I remember he got the ball high on his chest and then he, he turned it and then volleyed. <laughs> he volleyed the ball at 18 yards and it crashed at the back of the net. And I was like, you're having a laugh, man. And uh, and of course, I get the blame of that. When I <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I went to then Celtic, um, 
I remember seeing him and I was thinking, oh God, I hope he doesn't remember me. <laughs> and and that was the first thing he said. He said, oh, your game's got better since the last time I played against you. Did I not score against you? <laughs> so uh, so that was my that was the first time I met Charlie. And then then I when I went to Parkhead for that stint, I was there for about three months. Mm. Uh, and they kept saying to me, when's your trial date? And I was like, I'm not here for a trial. I'm just in here for for treatment with Brian Scott. And they were like, do you honestly think you're in here for treatment with Brian Scott? So what are they getting from that? And I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe they just like me. They were like, no. <laughs> no so, and it was, you know, it was fantastic. Um, I mean, as, as I say, I, I'm totally loyal to, to Partick. When I, when I see, when I think of Partick, that's, that's, that's where my, my love was. But see just being at Parkhead and they give you your training stuff and blah, blah, blah. And just being, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I could never see myself being a Celtic player, but I loved that stint that I was there, and there was a possibility that I could yeah. have have something could have happened, and certainly they were setting me up for for that. Uh, but unfortunately, what happened then again, I had another injury on that leg, and it put me on crutches again for about another twelve weeks. So it was, um, yeah. So it was a kind of. But anyway, the, the, I suppose really, what, which probably doesn't interest you guys, but from that, uh, I went into the doldrums of, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I wasn't particularly that smart at school because I was so busy. Football was my life. Um, and um, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. My dad worked in a place called Caterpillar at, at, over at um, sort of Birkinshaw, Huddingston Way. He was a mill right there. Um, so it was like, so what am I going to do? And... After being in there, I ended up becoming working for the sanitation crew, and so I cleaned out the toilets of uh, uh, for a, for about two and a half thousand men who worked here. So you can imagine what that was like. <laughs> but in that time, I suddenly my mother was a singer, and she used to sing with singers like Joe Loss when they would come up to Birmingham, and uh, so they were in the, the big bull rink. Um, but I was never interested in, uh, in, in like that. But anyway, I think I was at a loose end. I didn't know where my direction was. And um, somehow me and my mum were talking about that whole period of singing and blah, blah, blah. And I heard her say to my dad one day, have you heard the, the quality of, that, of his voice? And I was singing along to Elvis, Elvis Presley's song, um, oh, I just can't help believing. So I was singing along with that song. Um, never thinking that anybody could hear me. And I heard my mum saying to my dad, have you had the quality of that? Have you, have you had the quality of his, of his voice? And I heard my dad saying, Betty, I've told you before, I can't stand Elvis Presley. And she <laughs> says, no, Elvis Presley, you're old, your son. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Uh, and from then onwards, I think because I was, because the thing that got me up in the morning was training and working hard. I mean, I, I was I was always dedicated to it. I was a, I was a hard worker, I, I suppose. Um, and I started sort of re-energizing that towards something else. So I I, I didn't know I could sing, um, but from the age of sort of. 1920 by 24 I was starting to make a hit down in London by 26 I was standing at a West End show. Mm -hmm. So how did that come about though how did you 
you know, you said you were singing, you know, and your mum and dad heard you about how did it progress from there then? Uh, well, I, I went in for a couple of singing talent competitions uh, in Blantyre kind of area. But you can imagine, I think the thing, the most important thing for me, Alan, was this. The thing that I missed was was the buzz of playing football. I'm not sure if it was football itself that I loved or if it was the buzz of doing it. What, what I certainly missed was people asking me, you know, it's, it, you know, it's like sometimes when, when you're starting to get somewhere, you kind of slightly act above it all that when people are asking you things, you kind of, you kind of play it down and blah, 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 and you, as if it's a nothing. It's only when you lose it that you realise how much you miss everything that goes with that. And so in, I come from a little place called Bothwell and, and just beside like Uddingston kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was pretty well known in that, in, in that area uh, by, you know, playing football and stuff like that. Um, so when I was... When I started to, to sing, the, um, uh, the the only option I had, because I didn't know anything about the theatre or anything like that, uh, was, well, if, I, if I'm going to make good at this, uh, so I'm in for a couple of competitions, didn't get anywhere, but I won some money and I started to buy some equipment and I made a decision, I'm going to go into the clubs and try and do this as a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I don't know really how it happened per se, but I seem to be no bad at it. And agents seem to come and see me, where at first, when I first went in, they went, yeah, book up a gig and we'll come and see you. Well, how do you get a gig if you can't get an agent? How do you get an agent without the gig type of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, they, it, it seemed to happen. And then what happened, <laughs> I did it for about a year. And I went into every sticky carpet, pub that they could ever but in those days they were proper they were proper um clubs they weren't mm-hmm. like pubs they were proper clubs uh with keyboard players and, and organists and stuff like and the drummer and blah 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 so i did that and, and i built up friday saturday and sunday but i thought there needs to be more so i, I crazily asked my agent um what's this a talk about the the about the northeast circuit um which is like um a graveyard for, for Scottish performers. And then they went, oh, no, you don't want to do that. And I said, but what is it? And they said, well, look, if you go down there, we bring up one of their performers, like a comedian or something like that. And it was at a time when people like Doogie Small, who was doing the Superman kind of act and stuff like that, they were all flying around. Uh, and so the deal was, if I went down there and I did 10 days, uh, they would send up one of their singers. So I would go down to the northeast um, of... England, like Hartlepool, where they hung the monkey and all that kind of. I heard all these <laughs> stories, um, but these are massive clubs. I mean, they're really. I mean, they were they were really, and the clubs were so big. All the all the dressing rooms had the remnants of Tom Jones, Ingelbert, Leo Sayer, Tony Christie. Oh, so they had the best of the best. Um, but and they, and they were also really cynical. It was almost like I'm going to sit in my hands because we've seen the best, and you're not that great. But the reason why I wanted to do it was was for this one thing. Nowadays, uh, because I'm still heavy in the, the performing arts and I, t- I teach full-time stuff and blah, 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 our kids can go through a full-time course and get an equity card, which is your your your, your card 
to allow you to work. In my day, the time I was kicking around, it was the only way you could get an equity card is if you could prove to equity that you could sustain uh, work, like work for like six months out of the year without any breaks mm -hmm. to prove that you could actually do this. And the only way you could do that was either to be booking gigs, going to the theatre, which I'd never heard of, or even be uh, like an ASM, an assistant stage manager, like setting up the props, which is something like Pierce Brosnan did. Uh, before he became Red Remington Steel, he was he was working backstage in some of the theatres in London, uh, but not as an actor, but as a as a prop master type of thing. Um, so my thought was, well, I can't stay in the clubs for the rest of my life, and I don't want to stay in the clubs. But, but I think there's more for me than that, uh, and I was different. I was different. I had a different type of voice to, to everybody else. I I thought, right, I'm going to go down there. So, and that was the fastest way. So if I did 10 days stints there, uh, every three nights that I could work consecutively would give me a full week's equity. Right. So I thought, right, if I do this for six months, in six months' time, I can have a full equity card. And that's what I did. That's a to work there, isn't it? And Yeah. And so in that, I then started listening to theatre stuff and I realised, you know what? If I could just get... So anyway, I went in for some auditions in London, didn't get anywhere until eventually I started to break through. Um, and because I was decent looking, I was tall, I was dead skinny then and blah, blah, blah. And I had a voice. Um, I I worked hard, but I started to find there was a niche market for me in certain areas. And that's really how it worked. Uh, but it's, it's dead easy. It's like, see, when I started working in the West End, the papers tried to play it like this. Um, last week he, he was playing for Partick Thistle. This week is in a West End show. And I was like, oh, wow. No, it's like eight years I've taken, I've went by. It's yeah. taken me eight years to get here. You know, so that was, um, it was, it was grueling. It was hard work. But I think the thing that I learned about it was if I can make it through into being a decent footballer and they like me in that, there's every chance that I could make it into the theatre. And that was the thing that I missed. Um, um, I, I'm not a conventional. I, I don't know if you guys what you guys do, but I don't feel like I've done a conventional day's work in my life. It's it's um, you know since since I've left Caterpillar and cleaned the toilets, which I love doing. Funny enough, it gave me a chance to for me to peace and quiet to sing and be surrounded by other singers who were in the, the concert parties and blah, blah, blah. And it was that, that's what kind of moulded me. But I've realised that um, it's that, it's the buzz, it's being part of something creative. I, I know the question you'll probably ask me is this, and, and I know you're going to say this as a psychologist, but I can only tell you, I, I, I try and be as honest as I can. I don't watch football anymore. Uh, I don't miss it. And and I, and, I, and I know it's a strange thing to say because a, a lot of the people I'm surrounded with, they eat it and sleep it and they talk to me because I used to play it, that I must know something about it. And I and I get embarrassed because I'm like, God, I don't even know who they're talking about. But and and it's no it's no anything other than I I, I did really well in the theatre, but I never go and see a show and yet I'm surrounded within it. So I've realized that I, I used to think there was a flaw in my character, which was you know why? How can you be? In, why? How can you train to be a professional, and then uh, stop and never, never watch it and never be part of it? 
since since the day I left Parkhead uh, at the age of 18, 19, I don't think I seriously watched it. And 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 it made me really, I, I felt I was weird that, what does that mean? Um, so I think what it really means is uh, I'm an all or nothing person where um, I came into football purely at the love of it because mm. with my, my dad, when I was a wee boy, um, my mum my was left was left handed. My wife's a left handed lady as well, so I'm always surrounded with kind of left hand lefties. But my dad, when I was a, a wee bit younger, uh, um, used to throw the ball to my 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 left foot, and uh, and I, I didn't know what he was doing at the time. And blah blah blah. It was only when I went for my first medical at Uddingston Grammar when I was about ten or eleven, and they brought me in, and, and you know that kind of thing. They said, "Okay, drop your trousers and then cough because we're going to check you out." And blah blah blah. And the nurse said, to me, "The nurse <laughs> said to me, um, so David, and I went yes. Uh, and are you um, right-handed? And I went yes, yeah, right-handed. So that means that you'll be your strongest eye will probably be my right eye. That's right, correct. Which will then mean that your right foot. And I went, oh no, I said yeah. not, not my left foot's the strongest, um, my, the strongest foot. And she said it can't be." It's physically no wired up like that. And I went, well, I can assure you I'm I'm left footed and I'd write with my right hand. She said, it's, that's not... So anyway, long story short, I went home that night and I said to my dad, I don't get it. She, they're telling me that um, I'm right footed, right eyed, strong uh, eye and, and right handed. And he says, well, I did that to you. And I went, hey, what, did you do? what did you do? He says, well, I realised... It was harder to find natural left-footed, left-footed mm. players, so I just kept throwing the ball to your left foot, and it became your natural foot eventually. It became my natural, it became my natural foot, and um, was it, was so it Terry Butcher that did something like that. You guys remember that? He was naturally left-footed. I think, I think he did that. I, I think I, he did that as well. I concentrated on left foot, but obviously you've you life takes a different a different tack altogether in a different direction. So yeah, I mean. And, and that's obviously what, you know, you're into now. So you can understand that you can leave the football behind when you completely go to a, a whole different life, you know. I, I, I wanted it, I wanted football to be the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I, I, I went in as that. So it was like my dad said, you're an all or nothing person. And I went in fully believing, hoping. I had a few offers to go to Notch County at the time, to go to Wolves and blah, blah, blah. And there was a bit of buzz but somehow I just loved there was, I, I don't know if Alan, you'll you'll not remember this man because he, he was maybe not uh, profile enough. But there was a there was a a Patrick Thistle scout who used to come and watch me playing, and I used to say to my dad, "Who's the wee man?" Um, he doesn't even talk to me. He's here to see you, and I went, "Christ, he didn't even talk to me. He didn't even look at me when I look at him." And he was name was Duncan McGill. Ever- I think that's a name that's come up before. I've, I've had an interview with like Andy Anderson and guys like that. And I think that's a name that Duncan, I've heard before. Right? Yeah, D- Duncan McGill. He was the he was a scout for 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 Partick or one of the scouts, um, and um, and it was him that brought me in. And at that moment, because he was always around me uh, when I was playing for Huddingston Grammar, and I also played for Firhill Boys Club, and so on and so forth. So I was kind of. I was when I was playing a Saturday morning game for the for the for the grammar school. Uh, I would I would be playing at, 
uh, for Hill. This is before I, I signed with with, with Partick. I would play for uh, for Hill, um, not for Hill, sorry, for Park Boys Club. Um, and one of my pals is a boy called Jim Lachlan, who was an incredible player. Um, and I remember the the manager then said, "See that? See see your friend there." And I went, "Aye." He says, "See if he had your bite." With his skill, he would be in the first team now. And I thought, well, he didn't say that about me. <laughs> David, can I ask? Um, did your dad? Did your dad play any sort of level football? Was he? Was he a bit of a player as well? Uh, uh, no, uh, from uh, but I, I think he just loved it. He mm. he was a he was a, a, a what you class a diehard Rangers supporter who never ever went to a game in his life to. Mm. to, to he never went to park to to, to Ibrooks. Um but it was no. He 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 just loved it. But it was always me and him together. My mum was a singery type, and um, but my dad um, he was a, he was a huge catalyst of everything that I did within that. Even even when when I left football, when he retired early from Caterpillar, um, he then started coming down to the northeast. Those ten day tours I was telling you about. He would come and we would stay. You can imagine it, the first time I went to this to this bed and breakfast for for theatrical people, <laughs> and uh, the, the the lady took us upstairs to the to the room. It was one of these big big tall bed and breakfast, big high ceilings and blah blah. And I walked in and there were six six beds in the room, <laughs> and I was like, "All right, uh, so where are we sleeping?" You're in here, you and your dad, and then the other four. And we actually slept next. The, the, and I'm not joking when I say this, but the, the lady that I slept next to was a, a, a snake charmer. And her name, her, her act name was uh, Vanessa Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> and she had she had two or three boar constrictors in her cages under her bed. And I was sleeping next to her. And I was like, you must be having a laugh. Yeah. I can't wait for this book, David. I, <laughs> I think if you're allergic to wasps, can you imagine what boa constrictors would do to you? Oh. Aye. So yeah, that's all. That's all going to come into my book, by the way. So mm. it's. Um... I, f- I find it. I find it quite interesting, though, that you've sort of lived your dad's dream a bit and then lived your mum's dream as well. Probably. It's probably there's probably a bit. Of, do you know what I think I've done uh, when I look back in my life? Um, don't get us wrong. Um, I, f- I figured out, and people figured this out for me that um, talent doesn't get you there. It's you have to be a, a stubborn get. Mm. You have to be. You, you have to have stamina. You have to have all of those things. But I but I've realised that the things that I have come into, um, like my dad used to always say to me, because when I was when I got older, I would used to say to my dad. What, what was I like playing that? Uh, was I was I any good really? And he was said, "You had everything there, son." Um, and it was the same in my singing uh, when I was in the theatre and stuff like that. And some ways, I, I, I came away from that um, prematurely. And I've been teaching now, teaching mm. singing. I run my own company with my wife and blah blah blah, and, and, and we do pretty well. Um, so I'm now known as uh, a, a pretty. Uh, well-versed vocal coach. I, I still sing at the same level as when I was working in London. Yeah. So I've kept, I've kept those values. Those values are important to me. Um, but what I, what I realise is I don't even have a love for the theatre. 
I just have the love for singing or anything that's creative. Mm. And I think that's, I, I don't know, if, I, I don't know what that really says about me. And so when I went to football, I really believed that football was my life. And I, and I really do believe that. But when I, when I left, I put it down to, you're just not a good voyeur of watching football. Some people like watching and some people who play it go, I can't stand watching it. I just, I don't get that. Mm. Um, so I, I think within that, whether, whether I've been living other people's dreams and it could be that, that, you know, if, is it really your blueprint that you're living? Mm. But I would definitely say this, the memories that I have, and I'll see the photographs of Pat Quinn and those guys there, uh, are warm and and it, it, I still feel excited, even though they're a long way away from me now. Yeah. But, but, but I'll take them to, for the rest of my life. And it's the same going through the club system to get to where, and even now, my, my wife does say this to me, but she stopped saying it as, as, as much. But she used to say to me, you're such a waste of, of talent, David, because you should still be singing to that audience. But I took, a, I took an option to say, I don't want to do that anymore. So I prepare people for that. Mm. It seems to me as if you have a passion for things, if you could, if you can participate in it. So it could be. football, you participated in it, you loved it. With the singing, yeah. same thing. And now with the coaching, it's probably the same. Yeah, I still feel as if I'm part of something. Mm. That's that's the thing. I feel, I feel, um, you know, like um, you know. But the thing is, I've my brother was a he was an RAF uh, navigator in the in the RAF, and he's retired now. And he used to always say to me, "I envy um, the diversity that you've had in your life, David." And I said, "Well, I I envy your pension." <laughs> Because that's that's the thing that, that that comes within that. So I've lived I've lived an un unconventional life. I think I've I've done pretty well. I think some of my skills have been um, have been, if I can say it like that, have been pretty outstanding. But I don't think I've ever fulfilled through injury or whatever. I don't know if it's a temperament thing or whatever. I'm passionate to the hill, but. What I've realised I didn't want was, because I was understudied to Michael Ball. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah. I was understudied to Michael Ball in the West End. I was the first person to sing that song, Love Changes Everything in Babylon. And for a long time, it haunted me. And and because at the time when I was in the show, Michael was bursting right into the scenes and he became huge. Mm. And for young guys like us in my late 20s, um, we'd never seen that that phenomenon in the theatre before, that somebody could cross over from the theatre and go into, you know, come into major television. Um, so I used to think maybe that's what the problem was, you know, it's sour grapes, um, got a bad taste in my mouth. But you know what, it's not that. I, 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 I think the thing what I've realised, the entrapments, of course we need money and, and blah, 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 I live, a, I live a comfortable life. I've had a lot of money and I've had little. Um, but what I've realised is um, I'm kind of happy, um, but I don't want to chase. I want to be able to walk down the street and I can live my life with my wife and I can live a, a normal life. Mm. And I used to think that what I hankered for was stardom. And so that's why I thought I, I did it. I thought yeah. that's what I was chasing. Yeah. So when I got there to an extent, I realised that's not what I'm about. 
you know. So um, so I don't know if some sort if there's a psychologist out there. <laughs> <laughs> but could have you look at some of the the cuttings we've got. Yeah. Davis career. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So West story. Career with rubbish. <laughs> well, that was that was a football crowd shouting that. Oh, I, oh, look at that! David Greer's strong, warm voice, though still holding back a little, makes the, un, the the audience melt like honey. And his honest portrayal of Tony is immensely appealing. Oh, fantastic! That, yeah, that was probably my mum that wrote that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I. That's West Side Story. That was West Side Story, and I was about twenty-four then. I was at, that was at the Mercury Theatre in in Colchester, and it was fantastic. How yeah. do you approach doing something like that? Because there's no hiding place in, in a big show like that. You, well, you can't take it. I that that there, Tom was my that was my first leading role in a show. So I had to try and convince the director, who was looking for something different. I had to try and convince him without me saying this to him, that he could look at me and go, yeah, you can stand in front of uh, 30 of a cast and you'll lead, you'll lead the, the show uh, with a 20-piece a, a orchestra, <clears throat> with a, 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 the, the theatre, which is packed out. I think, it, I think the theatre held about 1,000. It was sold out and blah, blah, blah. People were coming down to London, from London to Colchester to see it and so on and so forth. So there was a lot riding on that. Uh, and he took a gamble and he put me in the lead role. So it was my first lead role. And in a lot of ways, <laughs> I can say this now, um, when he first met me, he said, where did you train in Glasgow? And and I said, well, I didn't. But I didn't say that. Because in those days, people get really frightened. So I, I did a kind of sneaky thing. And, and, and you know, call me a liar. But anyway, I've kind of, I've kind of got used to that now. But... Um, I said to him, I, tra I trained at the Royal Conservatoire. Uh, and he went, all right, yeah. It was very English, uh, big, really big man. Big. And then he started talking to him about um, puffins. He said, do you like puffins? And I was like, eh, I think so. Uh, and I was like, oh, God, this is weird. So, and, and, and I thought, do you know what? I've blown this. This is not going to work. Um, but they brought me in about three times and, and I got my stuff together. But you've got to remember, I've already done four years of being up and around the country with shows like Joseph. Mm -hmm. So I've been I've been everywhere. So I've kind of I've I've seen it from all different angles. And then I I, I just get that chance to move um and 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 see if I could if I could handle it. Uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a natural fit for me the show. Uh, so he took a big risk, um, but it paid off. And then from that, I left that and I went off to Belfast and I was in the Mikado. I came back over and I was in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Mm. So I'm now playing leading roles now. Who were you Who were you in Seven Brides? Because that's one of my favourites. I, I played, uh, I played uh, Adam Pontepi, the mm. one that sings Bless Your Beautiful Height. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Love it. So I played that at 26 and then even then they were saying, He's too young to be playing it. So I was six foot tall. Uh, I, if you saw, if you see any photographs of me at that time, um, I've got I probably, one. I think I, I'm a pro, I look in my thirties at that point, but I'm actually only twenty six. So I've had a hard life. Oh my gosh, what's that? Oh, that's in, that's in uh, that's been me with Shan Reeves. Uh, that's in um, West Side Story. 
There's no way that that's not Danny Baker, is it? I thought it was. That was my first thought, but. It... Uh-huh. Oh, that they were met by the deputy Peter Lee. Peter Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because because the manager is was a guy called Dick Condon, and I mm. used to have a laugh at him about that, about <laughs> pronouncing his name right and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah, I was going to say that's Norwich because Dick Condon was the was the the manager of the Norwich Theatre. Well, that's me. So that would be the next West Side Story I did. So that's the year after Seven Brides. So I'm probably about 27 there. You'd said earlier on, David, that as a footballer, you were a sort of 90 minute man. It yes. Held you in good stead for getting into the theatre because obviously there's, there's a lot of physical work you're, you're doing there and you're, you don't get subbed. And West West Side Story, you're there. <laughs> Twenty minutes to go. Aye, aye, aye. It's aye. Your your stamina and and um, and stuff like that is is uh, is aye. It's it's important to have that, you know. Um, it's interesting. My hearing now to there to what it was at football. Eh? So that would be <laughs> nearly nearly ten years later, um, and you, I've managed to get my hair together. Well, you've definitely <laughs> lost a, a good few inches of height. <laughs> with with the, the haircut, I it looked like the Eiffel Tower was the top of my head. <laughs> and God knows, I don't know how. My wife still sees that photograph. She goes, "How in God name did you get your hair like that?" I don't know. <laughs> oh, and this will this will be when I meet my beautiful lady. Um, well, this is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in Glasgow, where uh, Radio Clyde's panto and it's uh, Andy Cameron that you're right. alongside. I loved I loved Andy 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 is uh, is fabulous. Um, and so Sheila Greer, uh, who I'd never met, she was obviously big at that point. Um, and this is where I met my 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 wife mm-hmm. uh, Nadia uh, Nadia Goldie. She was one of the dancers. In fact, she wasn't meant to do the. She was meant to go off and be on the ships and stuff like that. So she was a professional dancer, beautiful dancer. Uh, still is, uh, and just a beautiful lady, you know, just never changed. Um, I, I'm, I've completely changed. She just remained a classic and beautiful, and she's listening, by the way. <laughs> so she has got an idiot board there, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's where we met, and then after that, I went down, straight after that, I went into um, Aspects of Love, and that's where I met up with Andrew Lloyd Webb and Trevor Nunn, and then, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I think it was Alan that said, uh, it, it might have been, it might have been Tom. Um, I, I used to feel for a long time, um, like you were, I don't like, like the young pretender. You, you're not really trained for anything. So one of these days people are going to catch you out. You, be, you become... Foster syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 did you, you know that you know the the actor uh, Dame Judy Dench. Yeah. Uh, do you know? Uh, and I, I think a lot of people go through this, but so I've managed to work this out in my life. But do you know, every job that she apparently goes into, she leaves her bag just in the inside of the door when she walks in. So she leaves it inside the door, just just sitting at the door. Uh, frame and so she leaves it there uh and people have asked me so why why does she do that and they've all different reasons and apparently the reason is just in case i'm not very good and i can't do it i'm going to leave um and i think there's a, a big there's a big element uh because i never trained really in anything 
Mm. Uh, there's always a part of me. So I'm fanatical about training people properly. Because right. uh, I'm, I'm often saying to kids, there's a difference between what's gifted and what's natural. And natural can sometimes be dangerous and exciting to be around. Um, but what we need to learn to do is, and it's the same with football. That's what I learned when I worked with Bertie. Uh, Bertie said to me in the first game, he says, hey, sir, just play your own game. And so I played it, and he went, and he stopped after about two minutes. He says, I'll not tell you his language, but what, what do you think you're doing? And I went, I'm playing my own game, sir. Nah. And then he taught me how he wanted me to, to play the game. So to me, it's like, um, you know, football is different to the theatre. You can more or less, within reason, to, to the second, know where you are going to be if everyone goes to plan. Football is, is random. It's, it's 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 so 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 different that way, but but the way he taught me and taught all of us how to learn the game that, that's what I've always said to the kids that, that I work with you you have to harness it um, so that it becomes learn skills learn skills and around the gifting is is hard to learn um, you know in, in any kind of skill. And then the skill then is is to play as if you're not being taught anything and everything is natural and you're working instinctively at that moment. Right. Very old is like a theatre impresario with a big cigar and stuff like that. I mean, that, that is, he did teach you for theatre. He did train <laughs> you. That's where you trained. You trained it for him. <laughs> well, well Bertie, Bertie used to, I know we all know this, but Bertie used to always sing. And he used to, and he and he did this. I I, I don't know if you know this guy. You, I, I I'm sure you don't know this. Uh, why would you know? But you know that you know the the, the book that Bertie wrote is it the um, the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I've got a page in that book. No, right, I've got it somewhere. I'm in that book, and he and he and it's all lies. Everything, everything wrote because he um, uh, obviously he's like myself. He was looking for an angle and. And it was something about um, uh, he came <laughs> he came in my house in Bothell, and and it was a tough decision: do I sign with Partick or do I give it up for my love of music? And I was like, well, I didn't even know I could sing at that point. At that point, no. Aye, because even at, even in the, one of the newspaper articles that we looked out, I was reading. He claims it was um, he taught you all he knew because he was always <laughs> singing away in the toilets. I'm just, I'm just kind of picture him singing in the toilets with a big cigar going, you know. Aye, and that was true. I used to pass him. I used to pass. He'd be lying in the bath and uh, and the in the back uh, changing rooms, and he'd be like, "Hey, sir, hey, sir." <laughs> I loved him. I loved him. And oh, it's you a know, great character. Brilliant oh, character. You know, I, I, I'll never forget. He would he would come in with his, his black zone, his black uh, trackies and the black top with that black head of hair of his. Um and I remember um when the first time I played against the, the first team, first team against the reserves, and he would do this thing about he would play the odd man so that he could switch the game, he could play for any side. Mm-hmm. Um and so if I'm around about 17, 18, I'm guessing he must have been in his 40s at this point, early 40s. And I've never seen a man have a ball at his feet, talking to the rest of us, moving up, and people were no fright to come into him and ready to have a go at him. And then he would hit a ball right over the right-hand corner, like 20, 30 yards, and land it on somebody's feet. And and, and I, 
my dad used to always have an idea of and said he, he was he was gifted, but used to say, you know, he, he has this sort of corner boy mentality, so you need to watch him. And I just loved him. I, I really, I just thought, I, I just loved being in his company. I would love watching him. Um, and and it would rip you to bits, mm. um, but um, but that that's I think that's what made me want to stay with Thistle. Uh, I loved Jackie. Husband was was such a beautiful man. Um, he was he was such a a big support. So so Jackie, Tommy Ray, and 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 the boss. I I, I don't know if I've if I've got time to tell you this, but um, <laughs> there was a, we were playing against. I think it was either Celtic or Rangers at, at Fir Hill, and um, and so Bertie, Bertie had um, called myself, Alan Key, and Jamie Doyle to sit in the in the dugout, and I, and I don't know. I, I'm sure the dugouts are all different now, but the dugouts were. So we were sitting in the back, and there was Bertie, Pat Quinn. And Donnie McKinnon, so it was it was like a reserve game, but it was but there was a there was a lot of first team players in it and stuff like. That. And it was the first time that I'd been at Fur Hill, and it was from what I remember, it was packed. You know, uh, it was it was packed out. So I'm guessing it must have been a and it was either Rangers or Celtic. Um, but I do I do remember uh, Bertie called me out and he says, "Got him doing the, the dugout." And it was at the time, I think the Rangers supporters were way down at the far end of the, the stand. And they were doing this whole thing to the police about the, you know, we're only doing our jobs. You know, we're only doing our jobs. And they were doing the, the they were mimicking the whole thing. And coins were getting thrown on. The, the, and it was really, really volatile. So anyway, he calls me back into the, the dugout. And he goes, hey, great. Fucking, oh, sorry. Get back in, blah, blah, blah. So we're, so we're in, and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, uh, I think he'd forgotten he had his, his big Havana uh, cigar uh, lit. And we were at the back of him getting gassed out. I mean, honestly, it was, it was like, a, it was, we couldn't breathe at the back. And he was like, hey, hey, he just came behind again. And, and something happened. I can't remember what it was, but something happened. Anyway, Bertie jumped up, smashed the Havana in his hand. And when he when he when he when he, when he smashed it in his hand, he screamed and he jumped up and his head smashed against the dugout <laughs> of the of the <laughs> of the of the dugout. And he, you can imagine what he says. And sitting laughing. So we were at the back of him, trying not to laugh, trying to breathe through all that smoke. Um, but a real character. He used to say is. If you can, if you can look at me when you come off it in the, the the end of first half, if you can look at me and blah blah blah, uh, then I know you played. Whether you win or lose, whatever, because I know you always used to play for a draw. But if you can look at me and do that, then that. But do you remember there was a, a, a Henry? Was it Henry Cranston? Henry Craney. Henry Craney. Henry Craney. That's it. Henry Craney. And, and he turned around. And he said, <laughs> Bertie says to, to to Henry. He says. Henry, uh, yes, boss. Uh, are you enjoying the game, sir? And he went, I'm loving it. He says, well, fucking enjoy it because it's the last one you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. And and so I, I, that was the initiation of being there that I'd never came across before. But see, see the, the, more, I, the more I was there, um, I, I think that probably a lot of what you guys are saying, it was his personality as well, which was a big draw. 
Mm. Um, you know, for, for, for me, certainly at, at Thistle, you know, and, um, you know, so, but I, Anyway, listen, I, I, I feel like I'm just yabbling on it. No, not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. Yeah. Another couple of cuttings there. Yeah, but before we just, you mentioned Andy Cameron there. Just so we, yeah. we, we've had him on a previous podcast, and he was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, he was just oh, laughing funny. for the for two hours worth of just absolutely <laughs> side splitting laughter. It was just absolutely. Oh, he's, he's, he's and he, do you know what? You know what I love about Andy. He, he never, he never go past you every time I see him you know he always says to me how's Nadia getting on Davy and blah 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 and I haven't seen him for years mm-hmm. but he uh, because we we, we we worked in Panto together the, the at the pavilion um, and that that pavilion show with, with Denny Denny uh, Willis um, it was the biggest it ran for an extra two weeks because and Ian Gordon was having problems with the roof. I mean, we would go on. I would come on looking for for uh, Snow White, and there would be a bucket on the on the stage with mm-hmm. all the water was coming in. Um, but you know, uh, Andy, Andy Cameron was just—he was a real gentleman, a mm-hmm. real class class act uh, for me. You know, he was uh, always consistent and, and just a generous generous man. You know, and yeah. then, anybody can still remember me after forty years is is good in my books. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So here's a letter from Bridget Hayward, director of the Really Useful Theatre Company, Palace Theatre, Shaftesbury Avenue, London. So this is a letter to the stage. Uh, Sir, why does Pat Mulvaney, uh, it's no substitute August 7th, referring to that letter, feel that stage performers should be singled out as not being allowed holidays? And she talks about rehearsals for aspects of love commenced in January and the commitment of every member of the cast of our production has been exemplary. Uh, Oh, wow. Now, I've never seen that before. So that's um, that's a new one. So why does Pat Mulvaney, it's no substitute, to feel that stage performers should be singled out as not being allowed holidays? Well, that's interesting because, see, when my wife and I, when I took over from Michael Ball, um, we the show opened up in the April. We started rehearsing in January. The show opened in April and we got married in the September. And um, what they said to me was, uh, you you can't get any real time off. And I was like, all right. I says, but I've kind of been with the show now with the rehearsal, blah, 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 for a year. Uh, And uh, Biddy says, Biddy Hayward said, uh, we, we can't allow it because um, if Michael goes off, and I've been on for Michael about thirty times probably up at this point, um, and she she says uh, we don't have, it. and there should be a second understudy. So there should be Michael, myself, and then another understudy. Uh, but the second understudy wasn't ready. So when Nadia and I get married, um, they more or less said to us, uh, "You can fly up on the Saturday." Um, uh, and and on the Saturday, I went for my stag night at a place called Madame Jojo's, and there was a lady, a, a man called Ruby Venezuela, uh, and they were all drag actors, so you can imagine it. So the whole of the cast <laughs> are, are 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 at Madame Jojo's. It's right in Soho, um, and uh, that the following day I flew up, and I, I got. Uh, we got married on the Sunday, and we got married at, in St Mary's Church in Stirling. And Catholics are—you're not allowed to get married in the Catholic Church on a Sunday. 
So they had to, weeks before this, they had to send off um, um, uh, for asking for permission from the Pope. Could we actually get married? Because the only day that we could get married, because they wouldn't allow me off any days, would be the Sunday. Mm. So I had to fly up on the Saturday, uh, um, had my stag night, uh, flew up, uh, get married on the Sunday, and I was, I think I had the, the one day with Nadia up in Inverness, and then by the Tuesday I was back down. Uh, and I know there was a lot of problems with this because, see, because the money uh, of uh, aspects of love with Roger Moore and the advanced booking, um, uh, when Michael, to be fair to him, um, had been on for about three months up to this point, four months, and hadn't really, hadn't been off that often. But my very first night going on stage for Michael, um, the, 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 the stage manager will make an announcement and he said this. So you can imagine how well this went down. So Michael Ball, Michael, Ball, Michael Ball's now um, got a number one hit with Love Changes Everything. He's been on Top of the Pops. He's done these the Royal uh, Variety Shows and blah, blah, blah. He has a massive following from the, from the public sector. And uh, I'm standing at the side of the wings and the first song... Uh, as you come on and you sing Love Changes Everything. Well, they first have to make an announcement. So they says, and the character I was playing, but Michael's character was a, a character called Alex Dillingham. So the, the ESM or the, the stage manager says, ladies and gentlemen, due to the indisposition of uh, Mr. Michael Ball, the part of Alex Dillingham will be played by David Greer. Oh, well, I mean, there was 1,500 <laughs> oh, the groans, yeah. the groans and everything. And I was like, I'm not going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go on. And do you know what? See, after the song, this didn't even happen to Michael. Um, after the song, the big high note at the end of the song, mm. at the beginning of the show, he didn't sing it. He only sings it at the very end. So it used to leave an audience like, oh, where's the high note? And before you could do any more, the show had moved on to something else. So it was quite natural for a song that everybody came to hear him sing that nobody would applaud it because they were waiting for the high note, which they didn't get. Anyway, that first night I was on, uh, they must have felt extremely sorry for me because by the end, when I got to the ending, um, not having sing the, 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 the high note because that wasn't in there, um, the audience broke out in an incredible applause, um, and 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 then I, I met a lot of them afterwards at the stage door, and they said, "We were so sorry. We felt so bad for you, and so on and so forth." So it's probably came in from this. This will probably be the things that Michael, people haven't paid money in advance. Uh, they've maybe bought their tickets six months in advance okay. or want to see Michael Ball only to find out they've seen the Scottish guy and it, that's that's so that's probably can, can I um, can I how do I get that because I'd love to have that oh. I'll, I'll send it I'll send it to you I'll send you the, the link yeah. would, it, would that would that be oh, I'd, yeah, I'd love no that form. that would I've never seen that before and I thought I'd seen everything from aspects of love. I've never seen that. Wow. So you do get mentioned. I don't know if you've seen it, but it does say it's perhaps worth noting that since their first performances, both David Greer and Carol Duffy have attracted a following of fans in their own right. 
So yeah, that was my go. family. That was my family all can do it. Yeah, no, that was that was uh, wow. David, <laughs> David <laughs> see the the Partick Thistle photograph. Do you have a copy of it? Uh, I, I no, I, I I don't have anything. Right. Really. What what I'll do? I have a spare magazine. I'll send oh, that I'll, to you. So I'll send I'll, the whole magazine for you. Andy, that you are you listen. Uh, I I don't have people ask me all the time. See see my brother, my brother. Uh, I remember my brother years ago, but I don't think he kept his photos. He, my brother took he had, a, he had a brand new camera and he was in the in the I was going to say in the stalls, but he was in the stand at Fur Hill. And I remember he took a, a lot of black and white photographs of me, and people have asked me, and I and I remember seeing them, but I never, I've I've never seen them since. Yeah. Um, um, and and so other than that, if somebody says to me, "Is there a photograph of you kicking the ball at Partick?" I don't think anybody ever took a photograph of me, so mm-hmm. it probably tells you how good I was. <laughs> um, but um, so I never, I never, there's, there was nothing. So that photograph, as far as I know, uh, in in the the stadium with uh, with the with the the first and the and the second re- reserves, I think that's the only photograph that I have of mm. uh, of being at Partick Thistle. Mm. Otherwise, nobody would even believe. That was- <laughs> Maybe Alan, it's something you can do in the Jags cast podcast is maybe see if anybody has any i definitely do that we do um me and some of my friends have our own podcast called the jags cast which in normal circumstances it's just four of us meeting up in the pub and talking about thistle but over the last year with the uh, lockdown etc we've been um, doing them in zoom same as this sort of thing and we've also been talking to um had interviews with some players from times past as well like andy anderson was one he would have made yeah. a club when you were there, for instance. Um, yeah, yeah and, some, some, and some other guys, you know. But uh, yeah, we'll look into this and uh, we'll see what we can dig up. And and Alan, can, can I ask you because <clears throat> I just I just remember Thistle how how I remember Thistle. And I know I, I know I was I was there years ago um, when I had to do an article on something. I was in Joseph, and so I came to Thistle. Would it be the the manager? Was it John Lambie at the time? Yeah, I reckon so. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and I turned up. You can imagine it. Hey, God, what a redneck! Uh, but anyway, <laughs> they they turned up. The papers brought in this uh, Joseph an amazing technicolored multicolored coloured coat, uh, and they brought me onto the park. And the, the 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 players were all playing and training and stuff. Like that. I thought, oh, what a redneck! Um, <laughs> and and then the, the the thing was for me to jump up and head the ball with the coat on, uh, with the, the rest of the players. Round about me and stuff like that. Have um, you managed to find this photograph since then? Well, that that's that was in the daily record somewhere. I think right. the fr- we'll definitely find it. I mean, if it, it's it's not unlike John Lambie to be involved in outlandishly sort of costume. <laughs> no, he, I don't uh, think. Shoots, he you know. But it was it was. But what I was going to ask you was you're obviously are you are you about the same age as me? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, you look good as well, eh? Oh, thanks very much. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought you were that. I thought you were a lot younger than that. But that's. Well, I don't sing that much. So I, I, I see. But do you do you remember those days, like the way I do, like with Scott Simon and and Bertie and Billy Thompson and and Tom McAdam and blah blah blah. All those. Do you? I just remember it. For me, it was just an incredible time. Has it changed that much? the game, Thistle, life, 
Is it, is oh. it changed? Well, I, I mean, it has. I mean, it's been up and down over the years so much. I've, I've been watching Thistle since 1970. Right. So I was at the League Cup final, so I watched that game. I saw these guys coming through. I saw, um, you know, mid-70s when Bertie all took over and got us into Premier League. And 10-team Premier League at that time as well. We were, you uh-huh. know, 5th, 7th, 8th, whatever. I mean, that's right. a uh-huh. job, you know. And then when Bertie had left... Uh, it was Peter Cormack took over and things didn't go well. The 80s were a barren time. Then Lambie came in, back up, up, you know, Premier League, uh, and then back down again, and then back up again. And and where we are now is, um, well, at the time we're recording this, we're, we're nowhere. We're not even kicking a ball at the moment because um, leagues have been suspended. I know it's... It's, uh, and, and, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a roller coaster... Aye, what, what I was going to say was, do, do, you, do you think, uh, and I don't mean because obviously I was in it, but and I don't follow it, and I, and I don't mean just purely by um, by success, <clears throat> but see when I look at the young boys playing football now, which, which is kind of what we must have looked like back then, but um, I, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, if I'm generalising this in the wrong way, uh, because I don't follow it, but, but it always just seemed that there was more personality in the game back then. And I don't know if I'm right in saying that, but am I, I right? I think, oh. I think there was. At, 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 at that point, there was loads of personality around Firhill. I mean, you've come out of all the stories today, you know that yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. But later on with Lambie and guys like that, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that, that comes and goes as well, just with whoever's yeah. there. You know, guys like Chip Charnley, for instance, that... To, um, Andy and Tom are uh, Clay Bank supporters. They know all about him, you know, and you know right. there's characters throughout. But yeah, I, I mean, we always look back. I suppose it's sort of like you know those coloured glasses that you know times when we were seventeen and eighteen and stuff like that. But um, uh, and do you think was exciting then? You know, I was going to say, do you think Bertie had? Do, is it the manager that creates a lot of that? Do you think, or is that just you're lucky with the because I thought the players then. And and obviously the status that they were sort of middle of the table in mm-hmm. the Premier League, and you know doing, I, well, I thought they were doing great. Uh, oh yeah, you know, I mean, and and as you said, you still had guys like Alan Ruff there, Jackie Campbell was still there from that's right, you know, early seventies, um, mm-hmm. and the guys coming through, big Colin McAdam, Jim Melrose, guys like that, you know. Alan, I think that's an important thing that you've mentioned there is there were still players from the seventy one. Cup winning mm-hmm. team still there then, and I think yeah. that that mm-hmm. probably adds to the atmosphere and to to the to the sort of feeling that this this is something this is still something special because it contains these players. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but also I I don't necessarily think players are allowed to be too much of a personality these days. I would agree with that. Yeah, you know I think there will be personalities, but we're not allowed to see it. They're not allowed to to show it or be there and for obvious reasons because uh, they can't go into social media and do it because that's an absolute minefield um, yeah. when they're interviewed in the TV or in the radio it's it's bog standard responses there's, there's generally it's rehearsed um, responses <laughs> and, re- and you know I just don't think they're allowed to do it No, I was just thinking about one guy uh, Alan will, will probably definitely remember was do you remember he played for Dundee United uh, Ralph Milne Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had the misfortune of playing against him 
honestly, God. I mean, it was just like what an incredible player and striker of the ball. Um, so the first time I went up to Tanadice, <laughs> same thing. He says, "Hey, whatever you do, just stand on him." <laughs> and I was like, "Aye, all right, okay, I'm fast." <sighs> honestly, God, he was just in, just incredible. I played played against people like. Um, do you remember the Rangers player? Um, uh, uh, was, was John McDonald? John McDonald. John McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. And I just was like, oh, God. Um, that, those are those are the times when I look back in it. Um, and for me, there was some really gifted young guys coming through. I, I don't think I, I was I was that, um, but uh, so I, I I feel I was I was there. Um, but there was some fantastic. Uh, young players. The first time I saw um, Paul McStay play mm. with this young, unassuming guy, you wouldn't see boot. And it, I was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, at, at Parkhead, and maybe could get the ball off him. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh. You know, it was just, you know, it's, it's gifting such an infectious thing, isn't it? Talent. When you, when you watch it, it's like, I mean, I used to catch myself just ball watching gifted players on the, on, and especially mm. Bertie. Standing in the in the centre circle, lobbing balls, talking to stopping the game, turning the game, uh, never looking as if he's broke sweat, and we're all killing ourselves. And just it was just a, I was just like wow, it was uh, it was it was amazing. Especially that first, I think it was the first two seasons were just a joy for me. You know, um, mm-hmm. as I said, the last time was last year was too much on the pies, but um, but, <laughs> but I, you know you know the way I look at it is. I had to go through that stuff in order. I'd never have met my wife if I hadn't been through that. And and I'm so I'm happy. I'm happy everything happened. Sad that certain things couldn't be fulfilled, but happy that the way my life has moved around and um and um and that I suppose if you can have little to few regrets, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And you, Alan, if you if you're still you know what you know I love uh, some of my friends follow Thistle. Uh, and they follow them all those years that I was there, and I just think, you know, I I, I love that that people are dedicated. You know, my, 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 the greatest singer for me and opera singer was uh, was uh, Luciano uh, Pavarotti, and he used to say that there's a difference between uh, a life of discipline and a life of devotion. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to d- discipline says to me, I'll get. Um, uh, you need to be careful because it's because something could happen, good or bad. But devotion is just you just you give it freely and and willingly. Uh, and I think people like yourself who go in there day in day out and, and have a life like that, I, I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know that that's all I've tried to do with my life as well, just to be as devoted and to be as present as as you can at that moment. You know, so but mm-hmm. it's interesting, like you guys. Are obviously heavy into your football. I'm talking about memories that I can, I, they're very vivid in my brain, uh, because and especially now as I'm writing about stuff like that. Um, so it's and and I'll be honest with you, there's been a few tears on my journey, regurgitating this, and it's not been always been easy, and it's been it's been quite stressful, um, reliving certain things. Mm-hmm. So if you if you'd have taken me, probably about six months ago. I would. I think I would have been really sketchy. Going, God, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. But just because six months, less than six months ago, I've written all about this. It's it's um, it's 
it's as clear as the, the photograph you've shown me tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I remember it all so well, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, um, what I've learned from it is I have my side of it. It's not the it's not the gospel truth because other people will have yeah, their, yeah. but it's but it's but it is my truth. That's what I think yeah. I've written. Uh, as I've written my truth about it, and 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 I, and I hope I don't. If it ever people ever read it, I hope people are not upset about it. Um, and some bits are, are no great, um, and, and sometimes they've been volatile uh, within it, um, and and stuff like that. But do you know what? I think it's what makes up what you, you know, who you are, and you know, and and you know. So, yeah. but anyway, I applaud you for still doing that and. You know, following something because it's 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 a life of devotion, isn't it? It's a life of devotion. Aye, it's not always fun. We've got one more cutting. We've got one Andy. more. Yep, let's look at that one. So this is uh, Robin Hood and Babes in the Wood in Glasgow. <laughs> this is shooting panel with Cannonball. Yes, this is Cannonball. Aye. So what what were Cannonball like, Bobby Ball in particular? Oh God, oh, just. Oh, I just loved uh, the two of them, but especially, I mean, you can't help. I mean, Bobby's just like a, an aluminous magnet. You just, you know, some people are born like that and you, you there's just nothing you can do. The rest of us are, are mere, you know, conductors of these, you, know, you, you just you just stand beside them as they, as they, they just do it. But uh, I'll tell you a story though. Um, um, <clears throat> That no, no, an awful lot of people know this story, but so this is probably the first time I'll probably share it publicly, uh, and, and 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 all good. Um, when when my wife and I we were doing London, and I was coming up to do this show, um, I started to see on television that um, that they've obviously fallen from grace. Their careers weren't what they used to be. And I noticed that um, they were doing all these big sort of gospel tours. Cannonball does gospel in Blackpool and and blah blah blah. And I was like, wow, that's what a big you know. If you if you think back and and the, their heyday, uh, they they were playing to what fifteen million people. Uh, now now they were playing some some small theatres and they were gospel. They were they were talking about. Jesus and God, and I was like, oh God, this is weird. It turned weird. Anyway, so I, I remember saying to my wife, um, I'll find out if it's all legit or not. <laughs> so once I get to know them. So anyway, uh, on the on the very first day, uh, we started working together and stuff like that, and Bobby just made a beeline for me. Um, and he started, you know, handing me like rubber bands saying, forgiven on it and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh God, here we go. So Anyway, so he, um, he 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 kept this whole thing going, uh, and we were in the, the actual theatre now. Um, so we went from rehearsals uh, at the city, the city. Uh, I think it was the city halls, the city chambers, whatever it is. Um, and we're in, and every time I would knock on the door uh, at Bobby and both of them, uh, they're in separate uh, restaurants. But every time I'd knock on the door, Bobby would be sitting there reading the Bible. And I was like, I see that. That's a pretense. That see, he'll just he'll hear the door, he'll hear the door, and then he'll pick up the Bible. But like, ah, right, right. So uh, I go, all right, Bobby, ba 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 ba. All right, Dave, coming in, ba ba ba. And he would always say, to me, do I come in and pray? And I was like, no, you're all right. That's good for you, well done. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> and then what I would do a couple of minutes later, I wouldn't even bother knocking the door. I'd just barge in. Bobby, I meant to say. And he'd be sitting there reading the Bible. And I was like, all right. I thought, oh, clearly there must be uh, something within that. But it, it, was a, it was a strange time for them because uh, I got to know them so well. And what they, what they used to say to me was, Dave, our houses are in Blackpool. They're so big, we've got so many rooms in them that we haven't, we've never actually stepped foot in some of them. Um, you know, we had so much and, and, and so on and so forth. But I just found them, they were, they were so refreshing. They were everything that I'd heard when I was working in the theatre, because my wife was, was in the theatre at the time, and they propositioned my wife. <laughs> if you do this, uh, but they did that with all the dancers. So, Alan, if you had a skirt, they would have said to you, uh, <laughs> if you do this contract in Barbara Bar, you'll get your equity card, so what are you going to do for, for me? Mm-hmm. And they were they were really known for just being real scoundrels. Um, so when I met them, um, they were anything but that. Um, they, had, they had genuinely... Um, found a peace within themselves uh, and they became really good friends. I, I became part of a, a, a church in Glasgow, uh, which is called Destiny Church. And uh, and so every time they would come up, they would always drag me up on stage with them and so on and so forth. And it, all t- it would turn into an act and they would all say, he would, they would ask me things and I would go, but it's not funny. Don't ask me those things because it's <laughs> not funny. And then they would say, well, that would do well, Dave. And I was like, well, we know that because it's not funny, though. <laughs> um, so I, I was basically the stooge, uh, and um, and I didn't mind it. Uh, they, they were just, they were, especially Bobby, uh, Bobby Ball, uh, uh, beautiful people. I, I think um, fame, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but when, when they, at the height of their fame, they, they stopped talking to each other. So they would be... Um, they would be passing notes to each other through the dressing room saying, this is what we're going to be doing tonight and blah, blah, blah. So I think they completely lost sight of reality, basically. Um, uh, and when, when, when I met them, um, they were they were just... Uh, one, one of the funny stories, uh, 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 it's, it's a wee bit crude, but um, I remember coming on and, and there's a, a common thing that they say, make sure all the males or the men wear jock straps. Um, you know, be, you know, because for health and safety. But obviously, if you're wearing kind of tights and you're playing Robin Hood, it's not kind of good if your if your lunchbox and all that are kind of moving about. Anyway, so I came on the on the first dress rehearsal at the Kings in Glasgow, and they were in the in the front row, and they were sort of more or less taking the piss, kind of going, "Dave, have you forgot your your support and blah blah blah." And is there that much to support? So it was a usual kind of banter. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to get them. So the next day I came on, same, same scene. They were sitting in the, in the, the front stalls. And, uh, and I decided, I thought, right, I'm going to get a, 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 a long, I got a couple of long black socks. And I stuffed them. So I shoved them down the, the, the front. And, uh, and I, went, I went sort of sideways down the side of my leg. <laughs> and I went on and I started to sing with, with the maid Marion, which was Vivian Carlyle. And honestly, when they looked up, the, the, they were they were shocked. It was like, stop, stop, stop. Dave, 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 Dave. 
what where's your support so the whole so it was a big sort of piss take um <laughs> and uh and that was that was the sort of the the, the sort of the trend of humor that we had together the the um lovely lovely people i i i the last time I, I saw them was a few a few years ago um but i've periodically been in the round beside them uh, quite a lot over the years so um great people and and so s- sorry to to know that we lost uh, bobby i just thought he was a genius an yeah. absolute genius and yeah. and and see see what you saw in the latter stage of him as i say like he was probably the, the the biggest charlatan there was at the time. Um, you know, a, a abused everything, but just got too much. In the latter stages, uh, when I worked with him, it, you really got the his, his proper personality. It mm. was a real great family man. Loved his wife and blah blah blah. You know, and and uh, to be honest with you, it, I learned a lot about you know re reevaluating yourself, your own walk, and, and making sure that you're your wife and, and everything you're doing is are the most important things. Yeah. You know, so so great people. And and I know that they they got a hard time of it because the press were out to go at them going, I think that what well, well, the king's not in a bad way and they were saying if Karen and Ball don't save the show this year, the kings could go under. And so I remember they were it was they were quite volatile. Um, the, the reaction towards them was quite volatile, and it was almost like, um, you know, Jimmy Logan was in as the dean, and it was almost like um, that the rise and fall of of the the future of the kings was down to them, mm. Mm. and and I think they found that really difficult. But again, the same thing, it packed out, and I think it ran over a couple of weeks longer than it should have. It was completely and utterly sold out. And I think the year before it, they had played it at the, um, the same show up in Edinburgh Kings when John John Leslie was playing um, Robin Hood, and I think that's where he he got himself into a bit of uh, problems. And then I was I was brought in for him his, his replacement. You were playing with his, his brother Grant Stott there in that in that show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's a beautiful man. Yeah, big story. He's a beautiful man. He's just uh, that was his. That was more or less his second contract, and 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 it's with great affection when I see him. And all, after all these years, he's um, he's he's very clever. He's very clever at his craft. Then he was just making it all up, you know. Um, but he's he learned his craft, and, and it was obviously sad about Andy Gray passing and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. That's yeah. that. That was a big. That'll be a big, a big loss. Plus, like Alan was saying, you know, when when it's bad enough when you lose great people at like that, but when you, um, at a time where there's nothing happening, you know, you know, you know what I have to believe. Uh, I mean, I I don't know how you guys see, it, and I, I tend not to be political and stuff like that uh, with this, but I I, I do think um, that entertaining what you guys do. The, the, the creative industry is the salt of the earth. I know they say that about the Christians, but I, I do think that we are the salt of the earth. And, and, if, and if you take that out, um, like if you don't have uh, television, uh, you don't have reruns of anything, then you have nothing. One of these days will come out of this, uh, and I only hope to God, uh, and it will, that, um, that the theatre, live performances of what we remember 
the audiences that will be there to, to support it. Uh, but deep down, I really do believe that because I say this to all my kids, that if in the 1920s when the Spanish flu was around and the West End theatres, they must have closed down as well and they didn't have antibiotics or anything like that to help. So somewhere along the line, um, uh, sadly, a lot of people have died and it's, it's been a, a hellish hardship, a hardship for everybody. Um, but I do believe that we'll, we'll come back out. It's going to be different. Yeah. Uh, but but I do think we and I think we will have to manage this these, this virus because I think it will just keep muting itself and I think it will be around us for a long time. But I, I do think um, we need some of the old school values now to come back and say where is the determination to get through this? Because my kids are all struggling. They're all like, um, what do we do? And I went, will you get up? And you 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 come out fighting, and you do your work, and you dedicate the way you did it the day before. And and then one of these days you'll come out all the stronger for it, and then somebody will employ you again. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, so I know this uh, our side of it has been majorly hit, and uh, and it's hard as as a uh, as a non-performer now. I'm glad I'm not in the industry because um, I, I teach everything online. So everything I do is basically online now. It's all online teaching, you know. So I've been lucky that um, I, I've managed to keep going. Um, but if it, some of my friends who have been in the Phantom, the Opera, and shows like that, they all lost their jobs, mm. which is yeah. so sad. So sad. So, but but I David, just just on those a couple of points here, uh, just before we go. Um, just tell us a wee bit about stage works, what you do now, and also, like you said earlier on, I think your son uh, Elliot's a performer as well. If you want to program a wee bit as well, yeah. Well, Elliot, um, Elliot went to a college in in New York, uh, for for some reason, uh, for a family. We it's only my my wife and 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 Elliot, uh, and we have a, a surrounding family which is around state around Stirling, um. But for, for a boy who's so close to his parents and likewise, he decided to relocate himself 3,000 miles away. So he's been he's he's now got a green card and he lives out there with his his, his girlfriend um, as, as one of the, the head ones in the, the new company called Peloton. They're the ones that do the... the so she's one of the artistic mm. directors of that. So they live in the middle of, the, of in, in Manhattan uh, and he trained as an actor uh, but has become pretty disillusioned with it. So he writes his own songs. And this is where... This, and so what he's learned um, was, Tom, that he wanted to go into Broadway shows and follow kind of where I am uh, or where I was, but he realises that's that was my dream. That, that was my journey. All he wants to do now is, at the age of 28, which is it's funny, the age he is now is the age I was when I first met my wife, and I was in aspects of love. Mm. Uh, so we're, we're in the, the same sort of parallel now. But he plays his guitar. He loves Jerry Cinnamon, all the kind of Scottish performers, and then the American John Mayers and blah, blah, blah. So he wants to be a songwriter and, and live his life. And all he wants is, if he can afford not to work and dedicate his whole life to that. So that's what he's on. And, and I have to say, um, when he sings his theatre stuff, He's as close to my to my singing that I've ever heard. Um, so whatever people think about me, 
uh, he's he's a replica of me. When he goes into his own stuff, uh, he has got skills and talents that I don't possess. So he's way ahead of me in that area. Um, and um, and stage works. Uh, my, my as I say, my, my my wife she was a trained ballet um, um, uh, dancer. Um, went to ballet classes at the age of three, and she trained professionally in ballet and, and worked extensively. Uh, did a lot of kind of videos and stuff like that uh, of commercial videos. Um, and about twenty years ago, twenty one years actually, um, we when I came back up to Scotland, around uh, about time Elliot was about two or three years old. I said, I'm going to teach for six months while he grows up a wee bit. Well, twenty one years later, we're still here. But this is my wife's hometown, though. Mm. So, so, um, so somehow we've we never really left. Uh, about ten years ago, we, we sold a flat in London, and that made the decision. Then we were never going back. Mm. So, uh, so we've we've stayed here. Uh, we've sent loads of kids through our doors down to London, to America, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, we run now uh, full ten courses. Um, for the for the SQA and stuff like that. So um, we're, we're a small, humble concern, but we're pretty well known uh, for for delivering really tight, uh, good work. You know, so uh, I'm very proud, very proud of it. Um, and uh, and now because of COVID, um, the the sort of big change for me was because we have our own studios. We've quite a big and Brian Hun. I don't know if you've heard of the band Run Rink. Uh, the the keyboard player Brian Hun, uh, he's 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 got a rock school now because they've disbanded, and he has a rock school in our premises. So he does keyboards and drums and blah blah blah, and we're all the singing and dancing kind of keepers and stuff like that. Um, and my, the the sort of next part of, for me is is teaching online because I, I I used to say to people, you can't teach online. You really need get, you need to be one to one with that person and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, what I've learned to do in the last year is, is to adapt my teaching. And uh, and funny enough, I love teaching online. Yeah. So there's another string, I found there's another string to my, to, to my bow. Um, and I feel that we're still we're still tangible and relevant to, to what's going on. Um, and you just, and I pray that people can get, you know, get back in their feet and and if they, they want to use their vehicle as a mode of transport for training um you know we're, we're still a based company and um but and a small company uh we we we, we have uh about seven or eight employees uh of tutors and and, and people who do administration uh, but I'm, I'm very humble I and mean, we've never wanted it to get any bigger than that we didn't want to franchise it yeah. you know and stuff like that so so that's kind of where we're put out now uh, 40 years on from mm-hmm. seeing the, the last, I think that was the last time I saw Wee Bertie. Um, you know, um, as uh, I've seen photographs of him re- recently, uh, but I just remember the man when he was way back then, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and it, that was a that was a, a special thing. I, I, will, I, will, I will never, uh, I'll, I'll never walk in that again, but and I'll probably never go back to Fur Hill again. Well, you, ne- you never know, but. Um, but I'll never forget. It was a special time in my life, you know. You know so, excellent. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure for you to share all the stories with us. Uh, so thank you. Years. Yeah.
Well, I, I just feel as if I spoke about a whole lot of rubbish for, for the last two years. Well, 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 You've never seen this podcast before? I've never seen it, no. I was, it's exactly like this every time. Yeah, David, what, what, we ta- what we do, and we say this to all our guests, is we, we, we use a magazine as a basis for conversation starters. That's what it does. And quite often it can go with it. It goes wherever it goes. So, you know... It's been absolutely brilliant. I've really, really enjoyed it. So oh, fantastic. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just glad that I, I looked you up on the internet when I saw that photograph. Yeah. That, you know, because uh, it's opened this whole whole different story and we found out that you're writing your own book, your, mm-hmm. your, your life story as well, which will be fantastic. Looking forward to that, you know. That's going to be, that's going to, that's a labour of love at the moment. It's, um, I've, I've, I've wrote it all by hand, but I now I've, I'm having to embellish it and, and, Really pull it together, um, but my my and I hope I, I hope I realise that uh, as to I, I don't care if, if if nothing happens with it, but I, I and do you know do you know what's really funny is Al, um, I've only written up till about my mid thirties, and that's what my wife Nadia was saying. See the next thirty years till now. Yeah. <laughs> God, I mean it's like, but but I, I but so all, all I've re- really written. As the, as the first 30 years but mm. those, those I know people have always asked me that but how did you really go from a footballer to to sing um, you know the, I, I, you, you'll not know this um, and this is in my book and very few people know this and it's not a big thing but do, do, do any of you remember there was a, a an athletic coach called Tommy Boyle do you remember yeah, Tommy Boyle do you remember? Do you remember the the guy Tom McKean, the Bell Cell yeah. bomber? Mm-hmm. Well, Tommy Boyle used to coach Tom McKean. So I'll tell you a, a quick story with this. Right, see that night that I get beaten by Badger Houston when when I was mm-hmm. when I, when he outrun me. Right, that night I couldn't I couldn't cope for getting beat. <laughs> right, so I went. I said to my dad. I'm damn sure I'm not going to get in there and get beaten again. So this is this is this will give you an idea what I was like. This is this is, this is the story now. I said to my dad, I want to take running lessons. I want to get faster. And he went, You're fast enough. But it's no no. He's he's just outran me. Uh, so anyway, uh, my dad knew this man called Johnny Waddle, who was in charge of the Bellsill Harrier running team. So they, they sent me up. And uh, and it was it was incognito. Uh, nobody was to know that a, a player from Partick Thistle was up. Blah blah blah. So anyway, they, they put me they, they put me in a lineup, and I didn't know who they were, but they were a hundred meters bunch from from Clyde Valley, the Belsal Harriers. So um, I ran ran the race, and I won. And uh, and the, all the lads says, "Wow, how does it feel to?" To have beaten the Lanarkshire champion at 100 meters, and I was like, I don't know. He says, well, "That's that's him," and I was like, "All right." Uh, I said, "Well, I'm not here for that." I says, "I'm just here. I'm just trying to get faster." So I think obviously what they were thinking was, "Well, he's not got any running experience, and he's come in and he's he's beat us, right?" So anyway, um, I start training with them, and it's all about how do I get faster without barely old knowing that. I'm taking private running lessons. Mm. <laughs> so uh, they start changing everything. They start changing the way I run, uh, blah, 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 how I lean forward, 
and, and the, the first explosive kind of the first 30 yards and how you move faster and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I knew at Partick, there, were, there was a comments were getting made about my running style had slightly changed, but nobody knew and nobody really wanted to ask me about it. And I wasn't letting on. So it, twice a week when I wasn't at Partick, I would go up and train with them. Right. And um, this guy called Tommy Boyle was introduced to me and he came up and watched and he said, I'd like you to get part of Clyde Valley Harriers. And I was like, all right. And he says, we're running all the, the Highland game games and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And I went, all right, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> um, so it was always on a Sunday. So I thought, well, Bertie'll still no know because it's only, you know, I'm doing my training away and so on and so forth. So anyway, I got faster and faster. Until, a long story short, uh, Bertie one day says to us, um, Greer, Badger, at the bottom of the strip, uh, it's, I want to see he's running again. So it was just the two of us this time. And I know that they knew that there was something going on with my running style. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you'll probably find this hard to do because he was fast. I took about 10 yards off him on that on on the account of me training, blah, blah, blah. Well, me, I was like, done it. <laughs> uh, I didn't get doomed very well. I get pulled over, uh, Davy Proven, Bertie, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's not the fact that you've won, it's your running style. So I had to come out and say, I've been going for running lessons. You can imagine how that went down. But anyway, the long the long of the story was, I I ran before that. I ran at the Scottish Three A's up at, at Murrayfield, and I didn't win. Uh, I was fourth. But Tommy Ray said this. Uh, so, so Tommy Boyle said to me, "You know, in your hundred and your two hundred meters, you've knocked about eight tenths of a second off off your your personal best." And I went, so like like eight seconds or eight tenths of a second. He says, David. Every tenth of a second constitutes a meter at the speed that you're running at. So he says you have run faster by eight meters to your fastest time, even though you were fourth. But don't care about that. It's the increase that you've done under pressure at that event. So he approached me and he says, I would like to manage you and for you to come exclusively. So at that point, when I beat Badger and I had to come clean and tell Bertie, Bertie pulled me in and he says, make a decision, son. So that night, at the end of the, it was the end of the summer, and I said to Tommy, uh, I'm so sorry, I, I, I can't do this anymore. But it cheered me up years later when I saw Tom McKean on the podium. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not I've said this in my book. I don't know if I would have been that person. I don't know if I was that good. But Tom McKean wasn't around at that point. And and I was, and I know he was looking for someone. And he thought they had the potential there. Um, so that, <laughs> in it, I got faster. It didn't go doing very well. It looked as if I was a charlatan um, a fly by night 
And all I was trying to do was be, become faster, more useful for the team. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, they didn't like my methods. Yeah. So, um, so you could probably maybe think that's probably why they didn't want you in the team anymore. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it was my, it was my checkered way of dealing with things, and I just, I hated, I, I hated Badger beat me, yeah. and he never, he never beat me again after that. Um, you know, so um, it was, it was, um, you know. That 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 was that was a story. It's, it's been in my book, but nobody's ever heard that before. Mm. So that's an exclusive to you. <laughs> now listen, listen. You, you've got at least three people here who will read your book. So make sure yeah. it happens. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what. If it, if nothing ever happens, if I can get it to a point, I get me a hard copy and get it done, which I hopefully by the end of the year, I'll I'll definitely send it to you, and Brilliant. you can read it. I'll be the longest one. I'll be longer than Lee Mazarab, Ben Hur, and the robe put together. I, I'll, I'll, I'll just wait for the musical. Fantastic. And that's the thing. I need to try and get somebody to start in it. <laughs> well, uh, you can, I can, you can start me off with some video lessons then. <laughs> listen, listen, David, it's been absolutely great having you on. A pleasure to meet you and listen to you. Yeah, so absolutely. thank you very it's much for, for spending well, time with us. Listen, it's, it's, it's my kind of life story. I don't know how interesting it is, and especially if you if you don't. I think the, the, the thing, the common good that we have is we, we share a creative side of football, whatever. And, um, and, and I know um, certainly Alan, it's, was there at a time when I was, which for me was just an incredible time. So it's 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 lovely to to share it because nobody ever talks to me about football in, anymore, you know. Mm. So it's it's it was nice, and I think it's came at the right time for me because yeah. I say if it had been four or five months before, I'd have been very vague trying to remember all this. But mm. no, it's been great. It's been really interesting, really interesting stuff. Thank you, thank you very much, and, uh, and uh, great. And and if there's any way I see anything you've got there, I'd love to because that see see those that little clipping yep. and see that photograph with me with Shan Reeves with that guy. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. I I have a big collection of magazines, stickers, books, uh, cards, and things like that, and I've actually got two spare copies of that magazine. But what we do, what we do with the podcast is we 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 use it as a sort of way to try and get people to donate to a charity partner that we're, that we we support and so it just it's pretty lucky that we've got two spare ones so I'll send you one of those and you can have that one well my, my wife if you send me the charity my wife said that we'll, we'll, we'll send some to you guys as well uh, for that as well, oh, that, so, well I mean we'll, through Tom we'll just send a link and can maybe just donate to them online it's a Western Bartonshire community food share so it's, it's a very right. worthwhile cause so we'll, we'll share right. that with absolutely. you absolutely well listen uh, I, I think these are great um, I wasn't sure what I was getting involved with because <laughs> I, I'm, some, sometimes I'm just like honestly God it's just like I mean seriously because people I, I, sometimes I try my best to avoid things Yeah. I'm like I'm not what it's sitting to and, and I'll be honest with you I mean, we've been on for like two and a half hours. Yeah. See if you'd have told me. <laughs> I said to my wife, I'll be on for five minutes, man, and I'm off. I'm not sitting there yabbing away with this. <laughs> um, so I'll be honest with you. It's It's been... I, I, I must feel fairly comfortable that I would be able to talk because I'm normally... I, I know it doesn't sound it, but I'm pretty guarded in certain things. Yeah, been yeah. really appreciated. It's It's been yeah. great. It's exactly our sort of chat so yeah thank you 
Well, thank you. And two, two, two and a half hours is exactly our sort of time as well. That's the sort of time we <laughs> spend it? in these. Yeah, yeah. You're well, lucky. You're lucky if we, the podcasts are less than two hours. So. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh well. Gosh, I was just like, wow. I probably went for five minutes. I mean, my wife's sitting here starving. She's like, <laughs> I've not eaten. <laughs> and listen, um, thank you, thank you so much. I, I, I feel honoured uh, that you've you've asked me and um, and 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 shown me things there I've I've not seen, um, or maybe I have and just yeah. I've somehow lost it. But um, but that that's been a real pleasure to, to see that and, and to have a, 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 a chat with you as, as well thank, right. you. thank really, you thanks very much David for your time really appreciate it yeah. my, my pleasure my pleasure th- I'll just say thanks to Alan Fraser as well thank you for joining us this week again yeah, really enjoyed it great stuff thanks to everyone for listening um, please give us some feedback follow the the podcast share with your friends get to the webpage and check out the magazine as well until the next time let's shoot the breeze